Welcome and thank you for connecting with us at Parkwood Baptist Church. Here at Parkwood, we exist to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. You can find more information about our church at parkwoodonline.org. By visiting our website, you will be able to learn more about Parkwood and our mission. Now join us as we grow together through the teaching of God's Word. I'll be preaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning with verse 16. Those of you who are familiar, been a part of the life of Parkwood for a, a while, you know that we are committed by, to working expositionally, verse by verse, through a book of the Bible. And today we come to verse 16 of chapter 8. Now, it, it may be the tendency of some to skip a text like this and say, what, what, why is this here? What's the importance of this? Why? slow down and focus on it. It is my prayer today that you will see the importance of it and as we seek to bring very practical application into the hearts and lives of what we share together as a local church called Parkwood. So 2 Corinthians 8, beginning with verse 16, I invite you to stand as I read the Word of God. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you, for he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but, now is, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus... He is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Father, we ask now as we take up your word that you would speak to our hearts and lives individually, that you would speak to us collectively as the body of Christ, that you would lead us into the way everlasting, Lord, and that we would submit to you, that we would seek to bring glory to you, that we would apply this truth into our lives together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With generous giving comes responsibility. There is a responsibility of the giver to give of their resources to be handled by wise stewards. It is a responsibility of those who have been given the responsibility to steward it, a local church or a ministry. It is the responsibility of those stewards to manage and to administer those funds with integrity and accountability. So my main idea today is that the stewardship of generosity, and what I mean here is, once the money is given, it is to be stewarded. So the stewardship of the generosity, that which is in given, requires 
integrity and accountability before God and man. So I'm seeking to answer this question. How do you rightly handle the resources entrusted to you or how do you avoid mishandling those resources? Since COVID-19, I have learned of two churches that I'm very familiar with who have been devastated by the mismanagement of the resources. Not only were they in the midst of the difficulty of giving within COVID, but what was discovered is that individuals had been mismanaging how that money was to be handled. One was a very small church, and one was a very large church. No one is immune to these kind of things. And for the sake of the gospel and the sake of integrity, we want to seek to make sure that we're doing as the Word would teach. So there are two big principles here. First, the stewardship of generosity requires an integrity and accountability before God. In verse 21, he says, For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight. And we don't want to pass over that quick. We aim what is honorable in the Lord's sight. We take thought of, we're seeking, this is present active indicative. It's, it's something that means it's ongoing true in our lives. We are taking aim and keeping it to what is honorable, to what is morally right, to what is good in the Lord's sight, before the Lord, in the sight of the Lord. Hebrews 4.13 says this, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now here's what's likely happening this morning. There are people seated beside each other who are hiding things. Maybe more than one account to where there's secret things that are going on in your life that even the person closest to you has no idea. Everybody hear me carefully. God knows. You will never hide from Him. No creature, no action, the Bible even says no thought is hidden from the sight of the Lord. With that in mind, we should desire and seek to be people of integrity before God, people of good character, people who are honest before the Lord, knowing that He sees who we are. We should be thoughtful and intentional to live with integrity in His sight because we know God can't be fooled. I've been using Table Talk for many years as a devotional. The so what that they use at the end of every devotional is corom deo. It's a Latin phrase. You know what it means? in the face of God. Reminding us every day that we live in the face of God. Because, brothers and sisters, who we are translates into what we do. In 1 Corinthians 4.2, Paul says this, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Now this speaks to them being a person or persons of integrity before God. God is the one who is requiring this. God is the one who will hold us to his standard. But it also speaks to accountability. Because God not only sees and knows who we are and what we do, we will give an account to him. We have an accountability to God. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. 
this masterful parable by Jesus speaks to this accounting that we will give. It's called the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, verse 14, Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. Then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you deliver me two talents, and I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful or lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot here in this parable, but the principle is very simple. And this principle must continually ring in our ears and in our thought. We will each give an account to God for how we handled the resources He trusted us with. Not some of the resources. I think some Christians look at the principle of tithing, of giving 10%, and say that's all we're going to be accountable for. You're wrong, brother or sister. You're going to be accountable for all of it. Everything God trusted you with, you will give an account for. But have you ever thought this before? Has it ever crossed your mind that we, Parkwood, are going to give an account for what God trusted us with? What we're going to do this afternoon at 4 o'clock matters. We're going to decide together how to allocate the resources that God has trusted us with. And whether you've ever thought about it, I am conscious, we're going to give an account to God for that as to how we used those resources. But Paul takes this deeper. He goes further that the stewardship of generosity requires integrity and accountability not only before God, but also before man. 
For we aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. So we take thought of what is morally right, what is good, in the sight of man. Now notice, he didn't say in the sight of other Christians or in the sight of the congregation. He says in the sight of man. So I think we need to break that down into two categories in our mind. That it matters in the congregation of believers how the Lord's resources are used. We want to do what is right in the sight of one another. But secondly, we want to do what is right in the eyes of a watching world. Now, brothers and sisters, unless you've been under a rock for a while, everything you do is potentially a public issue. It only takes a matter of seconds. For you throwing a fit in a grocery store for somebody to record you and post you. Everything we do, everything we do can become public and likely will. And what we need to realize as a congregation of believers as to how we handle the Lord's resources, there's a world watching us, waiting baited for us to fail and to prove their point we need to be conscious therefore we need to be people of integrity and accountability we need people of good character so paul explains here how three people of integrity were chosen to take the offering that was being collected in multiple local churches to be sent to jerusalem to support the starving saints there. He calls it in verse 19, this act of grace. That's how he's been referring to it all the way through chapter 8. The first individual he talks about is Titus, verse 16. Thanks be to God who put in the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. And notice this. He begins by saying God's the source. Thank God who put this in his heart. It is the act of grace of God in the heart and life of Titus that leads to Titus's action, his earnest care, which means eagerness or diligence, a fervor. This is true in every one of your lives. Have you noticed this? What you really care about leads to action. Whatever it is, Pick whatever it is. If you really care about it, you're going to move toward action. And with your action toward that is going to come this. Your money's going to go there too. You're going to move to what you care about. So this earnest care that is in Titus has led him, verse 17, that he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, very eager, he is going to you of your own accord. So that means Titus was not forced. He wasn't even asked to go to Corinth. He willingly stepped forward to carry out this act of grace by volunteering to go again to Corinth to minister to these people. I don't want to take a application moment here mid sermon that's a little bit of a sidebar but a crucial one i'm tired of covid are you bless the lord i'll be glad when it's over covid has all kinds of unintended consequences and here's one of them i 
kind of knew this was going to happen, but it has become very clear over the last several weeks. So we as a church have decided to move back toward ministering in the normal fashion that we were, of ministering to our kids, of bringing student ministry back, of bringing choir back. So you need to know that this week has been a tremendous struggle. And I'm grateful for every one of you who volunteered today and every person that's over there right now who are taking care of our kids. But there are huge gaps over there. Massive gaps. And the only way we're going to get the people we need is if God puts an earnestness in our heart. (laughs) Shame will never work, and I'm not using shame. I'm just telling you, here's what COVID's done. COVID has lulled us all to sleep. We've been at home for months. We've been enjoying our free time. We can do what we want to, when we want to, and we kind of like it. But the ministry of the gospel is going to require earnestness. That We have to give ourselves to this work, and that's the kind of guy Titus was. He was an earnest brother. But there are two more. There are two more people of integrity that were sent with Titus. One is the famous brother. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. He didn't tell you his name. He's so famous, Paul, why didn't you tell his name? And I have to assume this. It's on purpose he didn't tell this guy's name. He says, with him, with Titus, we're sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us. So this man's integrity has shown up in his faithfulness of preaching the gospel among all the churches. We don't know how many that is, but it is multiple. This resulted in him being appointed by these churches to assist Paul in this matter of distributing and taking this gift to Jerusalem. Now why? Rest of the verse 19. As we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. So they're taking this Gift to Jerusalem to carry out this act of grace. So God remains the final unconditional giver. He's the one through all this giving flows, but with this giving, there's responsibility. Once it's given to the church, then the church has got to transfer it to this group of men who with great risk, (laughs) there was no wire transfer. They were physically carrying this money. They could have been robbed at any moment. So there's bravery, not just integrity, tied to this making their way a long distance to get this money to these believers in Jerusalem. And he says at the end of the verse, and to show our goodwill. What does Paul mean there? Now, the church he's addressing here is Corinth. You work your way up the seashore, and you're going to go to Thessalonica and Philippi and around to Galatia and Ephesus. All these people are Gentiles. They're making their way to Jerusalem, to the believers who make up the church at Jerusalem, who ethnically are what? Jewish. Now, prior to the coming of the gospel, these two people, groups of people, were at odds. And what Paul's showing here is that this wall's been broken down to where these Gentile believers are moving toward these background Jewish believers to do this act of goodwill. So you got Titus, the famous brother, 
Then you got the earnest brother. Now notice how Paul brings this word up again repeatedly. With them, we are sending our brother, verse 22, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. So Paul's saying, this man, whoever he is, he's unnamed, has been tightly working with Paul, and Paul has found him earnest in many matters. So when this man saw a need, he met the need. He was one of those people who stood ready to help. Basically, Paul's saying whatever was necessary, he was earnest. He was eager to step forward and accomplish it. And there's a motivation in this earnestness that he had great confidence in you. He shares what Paul believed, that that God was at work among the church at Corinth, and as a result, this brother is willing to go to them to collect this offering, and he trusts that they're going to follow through. So to carry out distributing this offering, these people of integrity were chosen. And in choosing three of them from different locations... They weren't all friends. They weren't all from the same church. They weren't all from the same small group. These three people then created accountability. I have a question for you. Culturally among the church, now I'm not talking about the world here, culturally among the church, do we want to be people of integrity in the main? Do we? I think so. And this next one's a trick question. Do we want accountability? I've had this conversation dozens of times. It goes like this. Hey, pastor, don't you trust me? To which I'll normally say this. I don't trust myself. You just agreed on that just a few minutes ago. Whether you meant it or not, you agreed. You all said... Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We've got to accept this truth about ourselves. And that's why, even though we desire to be people of integrity, we must also welcome accountability. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just one example of where my heart's prone to wonder. My heart is prone to wonder toward the love of money. That's why the Bible tells us to be free from it. That love of money can cause people who are dealing with money to do things they would not normally do. So for the sake of accountability, Paul and the churches form this group of three people. But in saying this, here's what Paul's saying. I'm not having anything to do with this money. This is Paul's form of accountability. He's already under all kinds of scrutiny for his preaching and the ministry that he's carrying out. And Paul, with wisdom here, saying, I'm not touching it. We're going to turn this over to these three people. They're going to carry it out, not me. So I just want you to know personally, partly from a biblical example and just for the sake of integrity, 
and accountability. I don't handle your money ever. Occasionally, one of you will walk up and hand me your offering and I'll carry it around the church like this until I find an usher. I don't ever put it in my pocket and if you ever try to hand me cash, I won't take it. I just will not. Secondly, I have no idea what you give and I never will. I don't want to ever treat you different. I don't ever want my heart to be moving in one direction or another because of what people give. I know I need accountability here. And we all do. Now Paul goes further in verse 20 and says, We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered to you. All right, let's talk about the Corinthians for a minute. They could come up with 40 excuses why not to give. And remember, they're one of the most wealthy areas, therefore probably one of the most wealthy groups of people that made up a congregation. But one of the excuses they would use, we saw this a few weeks ago, one of the excuses they would use is because they couldn't give a big massive gift, they just wouldn't give. Well, here's another excuse. Paul, we don't trust you, so we're not giving. You ever played that card? It's what they're trying to play. So Paul says, we take this course so that no one can blame us about this generous gift. We're putting these three people in an accountable way, protecting us. You don't know who some of them are. He doesn't even name two of them. So that there can be a sense and understanding of accountability that the team alongside of Paul can carry out this act of grace. Verse 21. We aim at what is honorable not only in the Lord's sight but also in the sight of man. This is the goal. Paul here is quoting from Proverbs 3. You may want to turn there with me. In Proverbs chapter 3, he quotes from verse 4. But I think it's insightful to read verse 3 along with it and to see the influence of this text on the entire chapter. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Now what, what the writer of Proverbs is referring to, don't, don't forget the grace of God and the faithfulness of God. Don't forget it. Bind it around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. <laughs> you know, Paul is repeatedly saying, this is an act of grace, act of grace, act of grace. This is what God's doing. Then he says, verse 4, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So this leads you to action. Which, which makes you a person of integrity, a person who's living under accountability. So I come then to ask the so what question. And I want to ask it to all of us together. Paul's writing to a church. So let's ask this question together. Are we practicing stewardship of generosity with integrity and accountability before God and man? In verse 23, he says, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. 
So what he does here is sum up the checks and balances that have been put together and then states the purpose. So these, there's these three individuals who have this responsibility. Now, I'm not writing a letter, and it's certainly not inspired and canonical, meaning it's a part, what I'm about to say is not a part of the Bible. But if I was Paul writing a letter to you, and talking to you about integrity and accountability is it really the resources? What I'm about to tell you are the things I would say. Here's how we handle our giving together. Number one, no one person ever handles your money. In other words, there's nobody that has a level of trust to take what we give together and count it or administer it. So every Monday, a group of three people who serve on our staff meet in the same room where they can see each other, and they count, record, and deposit all the funds you give in the form of cash, which is very minimal, about $700, checks, and digital giving. All then the spending is monitored in this finance office by these individuals plus our pastor for stewardship. So on a day-to-day basis, they're making sure that the money is being spent the way the church intended it for it to be spent. All of the spending is reviewed every month as a financial statement is given to the elders and the finance committee, a check and balance, to make sure that they see that the money's being spent according to how the church agreed. All of these people, the elders, the finance committee, the finance office, and the staff, work together to prepare a budget over an extremely long process that we present to you as a church. That budget then guides how we spend. Last, we are audited or have a financial review every year by an outside accounting firm who goes through to make sure that we are handling everything above board. Every year we have received a high rating from these accountants and every year they have made suggestions how to for us to be even more clear and more safe with how we handle the funds and we have adopted those suggestions every year why what the answer is the glory of Christ you say Jeff what's that got to do with the glory of Christ Well, what if we didn't? What if I had to stand up here today and tell you, like some of our sister churches had to do several months ago, that someone has been scraping off the top and taking part of your money for other reasons? Is Christ glorified in that? What if you set a budget and then the staff used it for whatever they wanted to? Would Christ be glorified in that? Brothers and sisters, the way we give 
and the way we use our resources has the glory of God at stake. These may seem like boring things to you. They may seem like things that don't matter to you. They only don't matter until they matter. So that's why this is in the Bible. It's in the Word of God so that we would stand and listen and pay attention. And so, verse 24, here's the final So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. So Paul says, all right, you cynical Corinthians, I've just knocked another reason out from underneath you to have an excuse not to give. Ultimately, here's the goal. The glory of Christ and the cheerfulness of your heart. I'll ask it this way. If you wondered what was going to happen with your money as you gave it through this local church, would you be happy to give it? No. You wouldn't be real sure about it. But if you know that your giving is going for the glory of God, for the laboring together for the growth of all believers, and going with the gospel to all peoples, that's what guides everything that we do. Then with joy, we can come and give. You say, what does that have to do with anything? This is where Paul's headed. This is where I'm going in two weeks in a sermon. God loves what? A cheerful giver. And we don't want to do anything to stand in the way of your joy. We want you to be able to experience and express the generosity of God's grace in your life by being able to participate together for the giving to the glory of God and the building of His kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, thank You. Thank You that You have convicted us according to Your Word according to wisdom and prudence to do things that lead to joy and your glory. And Lord, as I have prayed all week, and I pray right now again, if there's anything we're doing that has set us in danger or robbing joy, that you'd make it clear to us. And Lord, in a few hours when we gather to make a decision, I trust that you're going to sober us because of what we've studied today, that what we do this afternoon at 4 o'clock is significant. That we are making a stewardship choice together. So grow us, Lord, as generous people. And grow us as a people of integrity. We accept accountability in all of this to the Lord. Praise